0: This is episode number 31 with my good friend, David Tanaskovich. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today. And now let's make the complex simple. Hello and welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. Super excited to have you on board. And today I have invited my good friend, David Tanaskovich onto the show. So something you need to know about David is that he's the happiest person I know on this planet. He's always super excited about life. Nothing can bring him down. And he's just generally having fun going through life. Like, you know, sometimes you wish Uh, you would enjoy the things you do and like your day-to-day activities more like sometimes a day passes by and you feel like, oh, wow, like I didn't really um, enjoy this day as much as I could have or as much as I wished I had. Uh, Well, I think that David never has that problem. He's always super positive about everything. And at the same time, David does so many different things. So for example, David is uh, the director of uh, a marketing agency, of a, a media marketing agency. Uh, he's also in the import-export business and doing some uh, work uh, in that space and uh, importing things from and to Australia and from and to China. Also, he's... Um, working in the business development space in pharmaceuticals. And then just just his occupations. At the same time, he's got millions of hobbies. He's one of the best uh, dancers, uh, ballroom dancers in uh, Melbourne, like salsa and other uh, bachata and all these other crazy dances. And uh, he plays uh, volleyball and uh, other sports. And also he just happened to decided to learn Chinese. And in the past year, he's learned Chinese and uh, so lots of very interesting things are happening in his life and we talk about a lot of that and um, this podcast is going to be very useful uh, to people who are thinking of getting into the space of marketing specifically so uh, this is not a heavy data science uh, podcast uh, so we don't talk about things like R and Python and so on, but at the same time we do cover off those tools that are used in the data science in the uh, marketing space. And we talk about KISS metrics. We also talk about um, in uh, about A/B testing and how uh, David views A/B testing and how he performs A/B testing in uh, his company. Also, you will find this podcast uh, useful if you are. Uh, looking to enhance your productivity and just like have a better lifestyle and have a better and enjoy your life more. So David shares some tips about how he goes about learning new things and how he, you know, like uh, some tips for people starting new careers and so on. So um, if you're looking for any of those two things, then this podcast is for you. And I can't wait for you to get to know my friend David and what he's up to. So without further ado, I bring to you my friend David Tanaskovic, director of C2 Media. Welcome everybody to the Super Data Science Podcast. Today I've got my good friend David Tanaskovic with me calling in from Melbourne. David, welcome to the show. How are you going, man?
1: Hi, very good. Very good. Thanks for having me.
0: That's awesome. How's the weather in Melbourne?
1: Oh yeah, it's pretty good. Like, uh, but changes very often. Yeah. Melbourne style.
0: Yeah, yeah. As always, that's that's kind of the only reason I I don't live in Melbourne because the weather is just changing like fifty <laughs> times a day. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um,
1: David, how long have you and I been friends for? Wow, that's a that's yeah, very very long time. I I can't even count the years. I need more than two hands.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I think. I think we we started like hanging out when we were 6 years when I was 6 years old. 22 years, man. Exactly. Exactly. Unreal, unreal, yeah. It's yeah, so. good good times.
1: <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> yeah.
0: Absolutely. So yeah, man, like we we grew up in Africa together and then you kind of out of our two families you were the first person to move to Australia and start a marketing degree here. From there, where did that take you after moving here and getting into a marketing degree? How did that go and what what were your next step steps after that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I, I had a real strong passion for marketing and I, I really like fell in love with it when I studied it. Um, I really wanted to work in uh, things, especially like uh, campaigns and I saw a lot of ads on TV and things like that. I wanted to work in that sort of creative side of industry. And and it really took me in a sort of different direction when I started work. I, I started working in sort of education industry and marketing around there, and then from there I moved on towards more media. And now now actually uh, am partnered in a company, uh, media company actually, C2 Media, which I work in as well. And uh, other than doing that, of course, I have a couple of other own my businesses that I always I'm always doing something. And uh, I guess one of the passions uh, of uh, I guess working in marketing and working in around data and analysis is that uh, there's a lot of things that I can do. Like I I do a little bit of import-export business. I do, of course, the media business. I I work in business development in actually the pharmaceutical industry. So I I have my hands in a lot of different, I guess, jars. Yeah, yeah. And that's
0: that's something I find so inspiring about you all the time that you're a person that, you know, first of all, you don't sit on, you know, on your back and just like uh, do nothing. You're always constantly doing stuff. And yeah and second thing is that uh you seem to have like 48 hours in a day like i i don't know yeah. how, how you do this but you know like you manage to have free time you're married uh you know you have a a lovely family like your family life you have uh, all these jobs you have hobbies i mean like for crying out, out loud in the past year you learned chinese right so yeah. like how how did you how do you do that
1: well, it, I guess uh, a lot of uh, work-life balance is all about really just making time for things. Uh, you know, th- everyone says that and everyone thinks it's, it's quite easy, but it's actually all about uh, scheduling and keeping yourself busy all the time. And I keep myself busy having fun, too. Having fun, <laughs> that, that, that's obviously the number one goal. And uh, all the hobbies that I do, like whether I, I do some sport like volleyball and things like that, or like tennis or golf. Uh, like I do a lot of sports during the week <laughs> and then I find time to do things like dancing and learning Chinese and uh, you know it's just uh, keep yourself busy but yeah. do the things you love have fun and then you don't find it as work you you find it as uh, a passion yeah oh by the way dancing man like guys listening to this
0: you got to know there's like a mini Tim Ferris, or in, <laughs> in Australia because da- you got like so many trophies for dancing like you know first place yeah. Melbourne so many times
1: Oh yeah, that's uh there's a whole shelf just picking up dust and uh, <laughs> lots of oh, lots uh, of
0: Yeah, yeah. Like I would say I'd say you're not being modest if I hadn't seen it. It's it's really packed. Like <laughs> they're falling that's... off the shelf. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. But
1: th- that's the thing, you know. Like when you're in, you're passionate about something, you you'll do your best in it, and you'll do whatever it takes to to succeed. And I'm actually going to be doing a big comp at the end of the year as well for dancing as well. <laughs> so I'm preparing for that while I'm learning Chinese, while I'm doing my businesses. So yeah, 48 hours in a day. <laughs> that's that's crazy. Love it, love it. Um. All right. So tell
0: us a bit more, you know, about your businesses or about you know the roles that you're. Uh, working on. And I'm assuming some of them involve data more heavily, some of them involve data less heavily. So let's maybe start with the ones that are more data focused, uh, where you can share the most insights with our listeners
1: yeah absolutely so i guess I guess the most of that data intensive role that I'm currently doing is uh being part of the media company. a lot of what we do for clients of course and this a lot of these clients are actually uh foreign exchange companies or forex or financial brokers or property brokers so there's a lot of uh financials to do with it and um uh, what what we do is really we do campaign analysis as well as uh running of campaigns and the launching of the campaigns so there's, there's a lot of data involved in terms of, uh, of course, you know, finding out how successful campaigns are, you know, is it reaching the right target market, how you, how you're testing the markets, how you're testing, whether, you know, it's, it's going to make a sale, whether your lead generation is actually happening, uh, and a lot of tracking of that data. So it's, it's, it's quite interesting, quite involved. And, uh, that's one of the things I love about it because, uh, you know, when, when I think of data, it, it kind of, uh. It, it makes me really, really passionate and really want to actually do more and analyze and sort of paint a picture of what I'm actually going to do with this. How can I explain what just happened? And it, it's 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 a beautiful thing. It, it tells a story. So yeah. So I guess that's more the media side of things. So I'll get into a little bit more into that later. But I guess in the in the other roles that I do, uh, I do a lot of uh, a lot of business development and relationship development in both my expert business as well as. Of course, my business development role in the pharmaceutical company, I guess talking to a lot of clients. And I've always had a passion, I guess, for for meeting new people, networking and, you know, seeing what how we can help each other and how, you know, two people can grow within a business, finding sort of similar goals and things like that.
0: Yep. Yep. Got it. And uh, yeah, you've definitely been very good at networking. Uh, all the time, like do do you use data or any analytics for your networking to help you um, like understand who to connect with or how to maintain relationships with people?
1: Yeah, well, um, what I, what I tend to see that really works is that once you sort of build a, a small network of people that you really know well, uh, especially in terms of business, what you need to do. Uh, is essentially to, to make that grow, you, you tend to have to do networking events a lot, very often. And um, I tend to stalk people a lot on LinkedIn. That's <laughs> sort of one of my favorite things <laughs> and get to get to find out a little bit about more about them and what, you know, where they're from, what their background is and what they're interested in. And, and you know, it's it's especially important I, I think. What really helped me with networking and building such a strong network of people and businesses and is uh to be interested in what they're interested in you know get 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 involved in you know what they're involved in and to sort of see their point of view of things and uh yeah that that's i guess some advice that people can take back
0: yeah yeah thanks and i I can attest to that that networking is really important like I've always heard that like even when I was working for other companies, I heard that about uh Eighty percent of recruiting or uh hiring happens behind the scenes happens through referrals through connections and so on and I always uh, yeah. I was a bit skeptical about it, but now that I have my own business it's exactly like that like pretty much eighty percent of the people are always like friends of friends or people who they know exactly you know so if people listening to this podcast are looking for jobs and so on, best way to do that is networking
1: yep uh basically throughout my whole career uh uh, if I hadn't networked, I probably wouldn't get any of the roles I got because uh, even though I applied many roles when I'm, you know, uh, looking from work here and there and looking to upgrade my career, the the best roles that I got and the most enjoyable ones were people that, you know, you work with that you, you know, love want to work with and you love to work with and you have a good connection with. And those people you, you get to know through networking.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally. Okay. So let's move on a bit to your current role at, as a director of C2 Media, I'm assuming that's that's like from what you've told us so far, the, the most heavily data-focused role. Can you tell us a bit more what exactly, like you mentioned brokerage companies and that you're on yep. uh, marketing campaigns for them, but how exactly do you use data, data analytics, data science in your day-to-day role?
1: Yep. So basically what we do is uh, we, we tend to launch a lot of uh, digital marketing campaigns And uh, of course, knowing digital marketing, actually, there's a lot of information that goes into it. You get a lot of information out of it, like, uh, you know, get information about the the people, where they're from, who's, you know, looking at the advertisements. So so there's a lot of information that you can get on your actual customer base, especially people who are interested in. And some of the tools, I guess, and some of the ways that uh, we use the data is uh, apart from, of course, finding out whether a campaign is being successful, whether, you know, it's getting enough hits, we're getting enough information based on what's actually, like what the creative says or what the creative does. Um, another thing that we find out is uh, whether that creative, even though it's getting a lot of hits, will convert. So we use a lot of data to sort of do some conversion analysis to see, you know, doing A, B testing to find out whether, you know, a certain creative is better than another creative. Also, A-B testing in terms of uh, seeing which sort of subject lines work best, what what will grab people's attentions most. And then after that whole process of uh, getting their information and gathering that, we also work on lead conversion strategies. So we work out what sort of target market is the best for the client, what sort of target market is going to, you know, most likely turn over into a sale and um, yeah. Basically, whether, you know, they're from certain income, certain generation, certain, you know, background, et cetera. So like what they, what's, what's their primary role, what their, what's their work, where they come from, what's their annual salary, all those sort of things. And you, you can get quite a lot of data uh, from campaigns, uh, especially because uh, a lot of campaigns for lead generation, uh, a lot of it is submitted by users themselves. So you get a lot of information, and you can you can definitely tend to use that to to make paint, a, I guess, a better picture of who are interested in investing in the financial markets.
0: And what, when, what do you mean when you say it's a, it's uh, submitted by the users themselves?
1: Well, you get a lot of landing pages. Uh, uh, most digital marketing campaigns will have landing pages of some sort, and uh, of course, you you'll give them like little questionnaires or things to to fill out. Of course. Uh, One of the the greatest strategies that we've used, and I think uh, it's getting used very often now in the financial industry, um, is uh, content strategy campaigns, whereby you provide users with a lot of information about the the product, as well as some free information or some gift or some kind kind of uh, information that will benefit them or educate them. Like a lead uh, magnet or something. Exactly. And uh, from that, they usually put through a lot of their own information in order to attain that uh, lead magnet. And of course, uh, from that, we use that data and analyze it and sort of see what the, you know, what the customer base is going to be like, whether they're the right target market for the product and whether they'll actually convert or they won't.
0: Okay. Okay. That's, that's really cool. So, and
1: uh, what kind of tools do you use to analyze that that data that's coming through? So we, we tend to use, uh, there's a couple of tools that we use. Uh, We we do use some like email campaign tools for simple A, B testing and things. Uh, We tend to use Excel a lot. Uh, Excel's. Pretty, fairly you know easy to use and well I say fairly easy to use <laughs> it can be pretty complex sometimes yeah. but we tend to use that a lot i guess it's a simple sorting uh, a tool then um, of course we do use uh, kiss, kiss metrics also a lot of the, and also we do some uh, pixel tools to to make sure that uh, we know what what's happening with the campaign what how it's being tracked etc a lot of it will be done through kiss metrics and they have a lot of tools there that actually help you out Okay. Okay. So I've heard a lot about Kissmetrics, and I've actually
0: uh, seen uh, the founder, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Neil Patel, on um, like in the conference talking, and and like very very interesting stuff. They've got a great blog on marketing, and uh, lots of people recommend it, even if you don't use the tool. But yeah. um, it's really cool that you're actually using their tool. Can you tell us a bit more about um, Kissmetrics, like uh, because I heard it's it's quite expensive, and you know there yes. are other alternatives. But what yes. are in your view, for those of our listeners out there who are maybe business owners, entrepreneurs, or even in marketing for, you know, in agencies or in-house marketing yep. teams, what are the main advantages of KISS metrics that you see?
1: Yeah, well, basically, they, they make it data really simple to read. It's, it's like one of those uh, tools that just makes everything easier. You don't have to know too much about coding. You don't have to know too much about... Uh, data analytics you it it's sort of like a cheat sheet and uh it it creates all these you know all these uh you know analyses for you as whilst also actually tracking what your campaigns are doing whether it's a social media campaign or an email campaign or you know any kind of digital campaign it can track it like a banner campaign etc so i guess in terms of its price, it is really expensive. Like I would only recommend it if you're really, like, you know, gonna want to do big campaigns. And our 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 company turns over quite quite a decent amount, so obviously we can afford it. But. Like, um, there are other tools, obviously, if, if you don't want to use skills metrics, like you can use Excel, you can use a lot of different benchmarking tools and a lot of, you know, like even even like simple things like your, um, you know, Mailchimp's or benchmark, et cetera, they can, they can sort of do the more basic stuff.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. And so, so can you walk me through the process? Like, for instance, you, you want to run a campaign or somebody wants to run a campaign and like, how, how do you go about first of all, setting up these data points that are going to actually, where you collect the data, then feeding it into KISS metrics, then doing some magic there and getting the output, and then analyzing it and actioning it. If you're gonna walk us through every step of the way, that would be really appreciated.
1: Sure, well, uh, it's it's fairly, I, I won't go through 100% of it, but like, I'll, I'll tell you sort of the basic part of it. Because it's, Kissmetrics does a lot of it for you so you don't have to really worry too much about it there's not a like a big story to say but essentially what you do is yeah, you, know, you have like sort of a pixel or like a little bit of line of code which actually Kissmetrics helps you you know sort of put into your campaign and uh, that's the first thing so uh, the first thing after we've talked to the client we set up the the campaign the, we set up the coding we put that in there then we, we send out the campaign. Now, we send out the campaign through various sources uh, and suppliers for media, such as newspapers, et cetera. Uh, once the campaign is out, usually we give it a, a week or so or, you know, to, to let the data come in. And then from there, we feed it through Kissmetrics. And it'll tell us, you know, sort of what, what the conversion rates are. It'll tell us all sorts of things like what the, the click rates, what the, the best you know demographic is. Um, what the A/B test told us, you know, which type of campaign is better. Uh, you can feed, you know, several different types of campaigns and sort of, literally, straight away see, you know, what is one campaign better than the other, and you know how they. So it's a very simple tool to use, but uh, yeah, an expensive one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so the data is already visualized for you inside Cosmetrics. It's like yeah, it's presented it, as it, charts and graphs rather than exactly, just raw numbers. Exactly. Okay, gotcha. And and then how do you go about actioning that data? Do you uh, then talk to the client, or do you uh, adjust, um, you know, the audiences that you're serving this ad to? What exactly do you do with that uh, with those insights?
1: Usually, you will actually talk to the client because uh, our our job as a media company is really to provide the data and analyze it somewhat for them but other than that it's up to them to make the decision of what they want to do with that data and how they want to action it i will give them some suggestions of uh, what's actually happened and you know what whether the campaign was successful or wasn't successful or was just sort of okay what they can do to improve it um and of course we just give send them a, a huge report i guess uh, like a what you call is a thump report it dumps when you hit the table um, and then, uh, yeah, they, they basically have to action it and see what, uh, based on our suggestions, what they can do. Okay. Well, it thumps
0: when you hit, when it hits the table. Yeah. That's
1: a, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a very, uh, like famous uh, saying, like, if you, if you're going to give a client a report, yeah. it should thump, thump because it should be so full of information when you hits the table, it thumps.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> all right. Okay. Okay. Cool. And so like out of all those metrics that, uh, happen. Uh, you know, to be in Kismetrics and that, you know, are available to you and that just, you know, serve purposes of marketing and campaigns and so on. Which would you say is or are the most important ones or one that people should focus on? And, you know, maybe there's some some tips and advice you can give to aspiring marketers that want to get into the space of data.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So so basically, I, I think that, uh, I think A-B testing is probably one of my favorite tools uh, because it allows you to sort of just test a little bit of a campaign. And, and um, luckily enough, we, we offer this to our clients a lot, A-B testing, because uh, we find it works better. And uh, we do a lot of lead generation campaigns, which means if we don't provide them with the leads, we won't, we won't get paid, basically. <laughs> so, yeah. so we do a lot of A-B testing. And I think A-B test is sort of the the one of the greatest tools and, uh, it's really taken for granted. Sometimes people in the marketing industry, they tend to think they know better than they actually know, or they haven't tested out the data yet. So I think, uh, AB testing is probably one of the best tools that I've seen out there. And, um, in terms of, you know, reducing your costs and getting you a better return on investment, you need to test your campaigns, um, a lot of marketing people they have these great creatives and these great ideas, and we've seen it all before, like it it just flops um, because they think out oh, we'll just launch it, it's going to be good, it's going to be you know our, our little thing and um, yeah they they sometimes they don't do their research and uh, it tends to you know be sort of an iffy project. But if you do your testing, uh, at least we can tell them before we send out a full campaign you know, that uh, there's gonna be a little bit of a problem or you should fix this. And uh, yeah, so I recommend everyone test their campaigns before they send them out. And that's just like the absolute basic. Okay, cool. And so uh, let's talk
0: a bit more about that. So uh, for instance, how, how do you go about isolating that uh, factor that you're testing? Like uh, obviously there's many different factors that are influencing uh, the conversion rate or whatever you're testing. How do you go about isolating, and do you actually make sure that the the, in the A/B test only this one thing is actually different?
1: Yeah. So what we do for clients, and not a lot of people can do this, I guess, is we have databases where we can isolate certain things, um, such as like income, or we'll have you know user information such as income or such as region, whereby we can actually target those specific things, and based on certain creative we can see what the difference is in terms of their clickbacks or their opens or their signups, et cetera. So we do it with a small portion of uh, population, of course, a small sample size. And, um, it's, it's not always, uh, easier possible, but if you have your own target markets, like if you're doing some internal marketing campaigns with your own, of course, your, your own user base or your own customer base, this is actually really simple to do and you can use that data and you can use these campaigns to test with your own customer base before sending out to the wider market. So th- it's, that's one thing that uh, you can sort okay. of do, yeah.
0: All right, so you don't just, just, because when I think of A-B testing in terms of marketing, I think of like A-B testing the ad itself, but you're saying you're actually testing,
1: you know, which audience you want to yeah. serve this ad to. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I think that's, it's kind of overlooked Uh, because creative, I mean, there's only so much you can do and to change with creative to sort of test is a going to be better than B, you know, is a going to be more interesting than B. You can always do that. That's no problem. It's, it's fairly easy to set up, but, uh, testing the audience. I think a lot of people overlook that. They, they think that, no, this is, this is my target market. This is my target market, but they haven't done the research behind it. So, uh, yeah, so it's very important and especially important when you're actually, you know, choosing which, Media, you know to go with what are, you know, which database or which, you know Is more going to be interested in it. So yeah, always test test your markets.
0: That's that's very interesting actually gives me ideas myself because uh, like usually the way I go about um, uh, testing the audience is uh, Like I just look at for instance Google Analytics and I see there uh, What's where the people are from that are visiting my yeah. website or uh, for instance yep. if we if we run a survey and People are kind enough to share some information with us. Mm. We we know where who they said they are, what age groups, and so on. So I just kind of look at the people that utilize the website. Where are they from? And that and I kind of make the assumption that that is my audience. But what you're yeah. saying is that. those are just the people that are visiting your website, which is a good start, but then for different purposes, right? somebody might be interested in my podcast, somebody might be interested specifically in my courses, somebody might be interested in case studies that we run. So different people, different uh, audiences will be interested in different things. And even though you know your audience as an overall for your specific products, you still need to understand
1: who it's best, who it serves the best, right? And not only for your specific product, for your specific marketing campaign as well, because different marketing campaigns appeal to different types of people. Yeah. So you really got to find out, you know, if you're going to do like a, a an email campaign or a banner campaign, you got to find out exactly, you know, who are the types of people that are actually going to, you know, look at that and say, oh, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because because like for example banner campaigns with uh which most people will find uh pretty annoying and a lot of people have ad blockers so they don't ever work but you know they they won't work with you know most people that are you know under 40 or under 50 but plus 50 is obviously they, they won't have an ad blocker and they probably will click it so yeah you gotta look at all sorts of things like that like you know what's most likely going to reach your target market and which sort of campaign will reach which type of people
0: okay okay that's that's very interesting and and also I would like to mention in, in these kind of situations <laughs> a lot of people perceive marketers as these evil evil um, human beings that are trying to sell everything to everybody and get the maximum <laughs> yeah. money out of it but if you think about it like when you are finding out how to like approach your audience the best way you're also doing your audience a service because then that way you're not going to be bothering people that aren't going to respond to that type of advertising. And also you're serving the right product or marketing campaign uh, to give the right information to the people that will be interested in this product or advertising campaign and and so on.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I mean, uh, everyone looks at, uh, you know, people like Google or Facebook and they think, you know, oh, wow, they're grabbing a lot of our data and uh, <laughs> they're getting a lot of our information like a big brother is watching, et cetera. But, um, a lot of it is actually there. Well, what the good marketers are doing is they're, they're grabbing this information and this data, and they're trying to make, you know, ads, at least the good ones are, that are less invasive and more personalized. Because, uh, you know, no one likes just pop-ups all the time happening and, and marketing started to realize that because that's why they have ad blockers and things like that. So we're trying to sort of work out how can we make s- our ads appealing enough or interesting enough or entertaining enough so that people will look at them and will be like, yeah, okay, I might give this a chance. And data really helps this out. Data will really, you know, pull us through, really. Yeah, okay, that's so... <laughs> <laughs>
0: applying data for... Good, right? You're like a little Robin Hood yeah. of marketing.
1: <laughs> well, uh, we, we, we get wins wherever we can. you know? so, yeah, <laughs> Yes. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. And another question I had on A-B testing is um, how long do you run it for? And why I ask this is because in data science, like hardcore data science, especially in, in the space yeah. of medicine and so on, we always test for... Um, statistical significance, right? We always check what is the required number of uh, or required sample size for this result to be statistically significant. And um, so I would like to get your take on that. And I also know that marketers sometimes like don't do that. Don't check for statistical significance per se, but still, nevertheless, uh, they use their gut feel or they use common industry standards to know how long to run it for, how many people they need to Uh, Get to participate in the test for their results to be valid to proceed with the actual thing
1: Yeah, and that's the thing really it depends on on the sort of campaign you're running, of course But generally because uh, a lot of marketing campaigns are really time-sensitive They can't really they don't have the opportunity or the time to really test it over long periods of time I think the longest I've sort of heard is maybe a month. They'll be testing things out But generally speaking for digital campaigns, you probably have like a week or a couple of days. So it it really varies between the campaigns. But, uh, and that's the thing uh, with statistical significance, uh, a lot of the time you won't hit as great a sample size as you really want. So you won't really find as great information or data or sometimes completely what you get is, uh, you know, might just be you know, incorrect data, incorrect information, just because the fact that the sample size is so small. It it these are sort of risks, and uh, in the end, yeah, you will you will use a lot of s- historical you know information to to work out whether it, it was an anomaly or whether it was correct. Um, so I guess using both both historical information and what you've you've seen in the past with past campaigns, as well as you know running these sort of A/B tests or these you know, just tests for the marketing campaigns, you kind of have to use both to sort of figure out if, you know, has the audience evolved? Have they, you know, started to do something different? Or is this maybe an anomaly and you have to sort of give both, uh, I guess, opinions to the client and he'll make the decision. Okay,
0: gotcha. So when you mean, when you say use something historic, use historical information is when you've run uh, like a a b test for the same client or a similar product or um you know exactly. for a variation and then you look at the results of that and then compare it to what you see now right yes
1: exactly so okay generally uh because uh, we run a lot of campaigns for very similar clients so we, we tend to see very similar sort of trends in the industry and sort of what's happening yeah um usually there'll be you know one widely different campaign and then everyone's sort of ch- trying to do the same thing uh, so usually after running so many campaigns, you will sort of get a, get an idea of what, what clients want. And because we do such a niche and specialized market, we tend to know our market pretty well. So just using historical data and historical information, whilst there is a lot of updating happening all the time with data and what's happening with the internet, of what's happening, you know, with different analytics, using historic data is still very, very important. You know, going back to basics and sort of see what happened, you know, last year, the year before.
0: Okay, okay, and I guess that's kind of like the advantage of a of a more, um, I wanna say established company, but like a, yep. a more, um, a company that's already done this many times, like yours, because yep. you guys already have access to this historic data, and, and therefore you can make these uh, tests uh, more agile, and you don't yep. only base your decision on the results of the A-B test, but also on your prior experience on the data that you had previously.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's, we're in a lucky position because uh, we've been doing this for probably more than five years. And, uh, I mean, our, our company has been developed only about a year now. It's it's a year old, so it's very young company, but, uh, in the industry, myself and my partner, we've been doing this for, for more than five years. And, uh, ever since we started, this is why we're getting quite a lot of customers from this industry. Uh, it, it finds that there's a lot of interest. In sort of this sort of analysis and giving this sort of treatment to the customer and the client, and how actual data will affect their marketing campaign, how it'll affect their uh, conversion rates and their sales. Yeah,
0: gotcha. And just out of curiosity, is there like a minimum requirement uh, for turnover or something for you to take on board a new client?
1: Generally, there is. Um, usually, uh we will try and work with mostly larger clients just because it's uh yeah, there's more money in it, of course, uh, as a business wise, but also they tend to uh have a lot more creative and uh, have a lot more preparation already done so uh they can put in place you know changes if they need to once the analysis has been done fairly quickly because it it is very time sensitive uh marketing style you know digital marketing so uh if changes need to be made it needs to be done quick so generally we, we deal with mostly larger clients
0: all right all right gotcha okay um so thanks a lot for running us through the ab test and uh the roi which you mentioned a bit um I'm gonna move on to the next question I had for you. Uh, what's your biggest challenge that you've had uh, to face when, in like, in the sense of using data and sense of dealing like with data analytics and uh, applying it in your work and life?
1: Personally, like, I I find the biggest challenge with the data analytics is uh, education and finding you know finding out more about it. Learning more about it, I think it's uh, even though it's 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 been around for a long time. It used to be called statistics, I guess, in a way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but now that it's sort of data science and analytics, it's it's uh, constantly evolving, constantly yeah. being developed. And uh, whilst a lot of statistical analysis is still being used in a lot of things that they do. Uh, it's, it's just changed in terms of, uh, you know, what they use it for in business all the time. And because of that, the tools are changing all the time and the industry is changing all the time and just getting educated in that industry and how it's, you know, how to react and how to interpret data. That's, I think the education part of it is it's really hard to find the right sources. So yeah, I I try my best, you know, doing research and things like that, but um, I find that was always a big challenge for me and it took me a long time to to get a bit more experience um, because my My initial passion for marketing when I did especially digital marketing was the fact that you could play around with data and i love I love mathematics but uh yeah it's just it's not that easy to sort of unless you're, you're working in the specific industry it's not that easy to find out how to use it or or, or about it or how to implement it um, yeah
0: gotcha and so where do you find most of your education at this stage are is are there any sources that you can recommend or websites you can point people to? Well,
1: other other than you, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Uh, like Like, uh, apart from you, I mean, uh, a lot of uh, data science um, stuff that I, I look at is, uh, I looked through a lot of networking sites in, in LinkedIn, a lot of articles through that, a lot of, you know, from a lot of reputable sources and, and people that I know. I find it's really good to do some courses, especially in things like Excel statistics, uh, you know, and and just doing courses online is probably the best way to to go about it. And I think, uh, uh, you know, this next generation is so lucky, you know, that they have a lot of these resources. They have such a much better developed, uh, I guess, Internet that they can, you know, get lots of education online, unlike, you know, how, how we used to. I yes. guess seven or eight years ago, before <laughs> prior to YouTube even existing. Yeah,
0: yeah. you remember the t- good old days when we we used to play, what is it called? Diablo or StarCraft when exactly. we were kids. And then and you you'd that have funny this funny modem sound, yeah, yes. dial up modem. And then you'd play, and then
1: your mom picks up the phone, and you're like, and your game it. is dead. Yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Oh. So so this generation is really, really lucky that uh, they, they can, you know see things on YouTube, they can educate themselves about science, about statistics, about mathematics, about everything that they need to know. And it's really at the touch of their fingertips. So even if you can do things like, you know, like in the morning, every morning when I get up, I'll I'll watch a couple of YouTube videos. And I know kids watch a lot of YouTube these days. So I try and watch at least one or two things, 10 minutes, you know, 15 minutes educational. Um, That's just as little as that, it'll get you a long way.
0: Um, and, uh, not, not just the new generation, right. Uh, even like everybody has like the new generation is well, lucky because they meaning, grow meaning everyone growing up. Now. But, yes. Yeah. But everyone now is so lucky that we can all do it. And speaking of education, um, just, uh, about like nearly a year ago, I think less than a year ago, uh, you and I launched a course together on data-driven marketing. And, yeah. uh, like I, I say you and I very, uh, yep. liberally because <laughs> you did most of the work in that course and I just had one one section on uh, like yep. to get people really up to speed with the data techniques. Yep. Uh, tell us a bit more about that. Like what, uh, you know, what inspired you to share your knowledge with people and uh, you know, what, what do you discuss in the course? Would you cover, like give us a quick overview of the course.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So basically what I wanted to to do a course for was sort of uh, similar to something I, I never had when I was, a, when I was I guess, getting into the industry, especially in marketing. I find that I, I had to research a lot about digital marketing and how to launch campaigns and things like that. So what I wanted to teach people was sort of the real, you know, from basics all the way up to launching a campaign, how to prepare yourself and how to use data, you know, to actually be able to analyze what you're doing to actually be able to run things and launch things. And afterwards, uh, you know, how, how do you actually see the results and what can you do with those results? So it, I I take it from, I guess, start to finish in terms of launching a campaign and then reading the data. And of course, little tools and tips and especially, and this is really important for marketers. Um, a lot of it has to do also with return on investment. Um, I find a lot of people who are just starting out in marketing and there's a lot of marketing managers that still make these mistakes and they, they don't take the data into account and they just tend to invest their money or their marketing budget into all sorts of different media that doesn't actually do anything for them. So I cover quite a bit of that in the course and how you can actually work out, I guess, based on the different campaigns, you know, which will probably be the most effective for you and uh, how you can sort of find that out and what's the return on investment per campaign and also how to reverse engineer and sort of work out, okay, I have this much budget. Is it enough to reach this sort of a goal based on what I've done before, you know? So it talks a lot about, testing as well, uh, testing the markets, doing a B testing, testing your campaigns and based on those tests, obviously afterwards, you would uh, decide which marketing will be the most worthwhile and where you can, you know, put your budget towards. So that's sort of the idea behind this course. And of course, uh, you helped me a lot with, uh, the advanced analytics and obviously finding out, uh, more about, uh, after your campaign or after you've gathered data from all, all sorts of people or, or, or your, you know, business, what are you going to do with that data? How are you going to use that as, as I guess to, to find out more about how you can promote and how you can actually, uh, you know, find anomalies in your statistics, et cetera.
0: Yep. Yep. Gotcha. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's quite a, it's quite a, uh, successful course. I get, um, I had, a, I had a friend who, funnily enough, actually runs a Forex brokerage in Sydney. He contacted mm-hmm. me asking me about your course and, uh, yeah, yeah. So like people, uh, it has driven some interest and I think people are learning quite a bit from it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, the Forex market here in, uh, in, I guess <laughs> in Australia, everyone knows everybody. So, uh, I was bound to, bound to, uh, of course, meet up with your friend, of course, as well. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's all about really, you know, making sure you don't make those mistakes when you're first starting out in marketing, because, you know, especially when you're a small business and you have like maybe a marketing budget of a few thousand dollars or maybe even like $10,000, it, it can disappear very quickly. And you can get a lot of salespeople from media agencies calling you and, you know, pushing you to do campaigns that don't actually do anything for you. So it's it's about avoiding those mistakes and I want really people in marketing to, to sort of think before they act, and uh, yeah, so they don't get ripped off, essentially.
0: Yep, yep, gotcha. Very important to educate yourself on these things.
1: Exactly. All right, so interesting
0: question for you. Next one is, um, what is a recent win that you can share with us? Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about, like, data, and we've actually talked about uh, productivity. And I kind of want, like, uh, in the towards the end of this podcast, I want to steer us into the space of productivity as well. So, you know, you can choose either yeah. space. Um, what is a recent win that you can share with us that uh, y- you're very proud of something
1: that you did? Well, I, I got quite a few because I'm, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a winner. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. Love I, I, I love it. Love it. Yeah. But basically, I'm, I'm a guy who's really passionate, who loves to have fun. And um, I, I'm a very, very happy individual. And I think being happy is probably the most important thing in your life. But... I guess uh, the biggest wins right now is uh, the fact that I'm director of I guess three different brands and companies uh, which is really really exciting obviously three different companies that I'm working on I got one that's for import and export where we we know working with wine and marble and all, all sorts of things and then I have one that's uh, you know for the media company of course and one that's uh, we're, I'm actually we're developing our own brand this is really exciting thing in more to and I guess the, the face and soaps and uh, sort of cosmetic industry, we're actually creating and developing our own brand. That's another thing that I'm really excited about. So um, I'm all about uh, just succeeding, doing everything you can do and just doing the best you can do. That's, that's, that's all what I'm all about. And uh, everything I, I aim to do, I aim to finish. And I think that's an important uh, way to sort of live your life.
0: Yeah, man. Love it. Love it. Reminds me of the movie. Uh, what, what is it? called about marketers, uh, where they say uh uh closing what what's it called? Uh closing is for winners. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, winners close or something like that. And exactly. Uh, and uh what's it called what's the movie called Glen Glenn Gary Glenn Ross. Yeah, Glenn <laughs> Gary Glenn Ross. Like I hated that movie so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's like I had such high expectations. But uh a part but that phrase, you know, uh so closing is for winners.
1: Coffee. It's, it's coffee is for closers.
0: Coffee is for closer. Yeah, something like that. So, so on. really, yeah. really um, reminds me of that, and uh, kind of like you're translating this whole attitude of, you know, how from that you got from your competitive. I love that movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Marketing people
1: and sales people love that. Movie. Yeah.
0: All right. I could like yes. I guess it's an industry one, but um, yeah, I can totally attest to you know Dave is a very happy individual, always super happy about everything. So talk us more about that. Like, I, I'd love to learn how, how on earth you're always smiling and always happy and <laughs> nothing can knock you off your feet. What, what's your secret?
1: People, you know, there's a lot of, I guess, uh, different uh, things about it. I guess it's just really a state of mind thing. Uh, One thing that, uh, and and this is something, you know, people can practice too, is that um, uh, other than obviously being always an optimist, uh, which can have its advantages and disadvantages, I think having the state of mind that you're always looking towards something in the future um, that keeps you happy. That keeps you sane. That keeps you, you know, working towards a goal. A lot of people, and this is a big problem with a lot of people is they, they get sort of stuck thinking about, okay, this happened in the past, regrets, et cetera. Um, it's really important not to really think about the past as something that you could have done differently rather than learn from the past. And from that, don't make the same mistake again. So that's, that's sort of like the, the best way that I can explain why I'm always sort of optimistic, why I'm always looking ahead, why I'm always, you know, trying to challenge myself and do something else, do something different, so on and so forth, is because I, I don't get, you know, bogged down in the past and whatever has happened before. I instead look towards what am I going to do next? How am I going to improve? Yeah, yeah. Kind of like another
0: movie, Interview with the Vampire, right? He's like, never regret, never regret anything.
1: Okay, I don't remember that one. <laughs> Man, yes. You showed yeah, me I that guess. movie. You
0: were the one who showed me that movie. <laughs> yeah, Fantastic. that was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, that was two thousand six. Yeah, that, that was, was ages awesome. ago. Yeah. Um, all right, cool. That's that's really cool advice. And uh, yeah, um, always just look forward. But doesn't that like stop you from? Like when you're looking forward to the future, don't you feel that you're kind of not living in the moment? You're not you're not present in the current, in the present, if you're looking into the future all the time?
1: Well, that's the thing. Just because, uh, you know, you're looking towards the future doesn't mean you, you can't think about what the present is happening. Because obviously you need to adapt to, to situations. Obviously something horrible is happening to you in, in the present time. Obviously you need to deal with that. But um it's it's a lot of people getting stuck over regrets of what's happened and uh it really slows you down. It uh it makes you inefficient. It's uh, what I like to call and this this'll probably sound a little bit crazy, but it's what I like to call energy wasted, calories used yeah. for nothing. Yeah. <laughs> because you're you're using these calories, you know, thinking or worrying or stressing about something that happened before. And those calories are being wasted well, it's good if you're trying to lose weight, but you know, they're basically energy being wasted on something that you can't change because none of us have a time machine. And because of that, the, you know, as long as you, you think of these things as, you know, this is going to waste my energy and this is not going to, you know, have a positive spin on what I actually need to do next. Then you could sort of move on to it. Obviously if, if there's something traumatic, traumatic that, you know, happened right then and there, you know, that's that's a different thing. But, uh, you know, you have to deal with that as it is. But if something's, you know, more worrying you and you're regretting, that's where you shouldn't waste your energy on.
0: Yep, I totally agree with that. And a lot of the time we just worry about worrying and worry yeah. about being worried about something. Like it just... Yeah, or, or,
1: you know, not sure. Instead of, you know, like, like one of the things, you know, a lot of people will ask themselves is like, you know, what should I do now? You know, what am I doing now? Like, you know, like, like sort of, you know, not knowing what they're doing and that's fine. A lot of people don't know what they're doing, but you should ask yourself instead of, you know, what should I do now? You should be like, what am I going to do next? You know, and, and that'll get get you sort of started, you know, to think I, I have something to do. I have some goal that I want to achieve. I just need to put it down and I just need to do it.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. And, um, Speaking of like achieving goals and things like that, um, can you give us a few, you already mentioned a a really cool tip, which I'm going to try applying like tomorrow morning when I wake up, I'm going to watch something for 10 minutes, like educational. Uh, and that's, I think that's really cool. Um, do you have any other productivity tips or advice for people to learn faster and get to where they want to go?
1: Absolutely. And this is, this is a tip I give to all new salespeople and all new, you know, people in marketing and uh, a lot of people in the new jobs This this will probably help them too. It's, um, you know, be comfortable with being uncomfortable. That's my tip because a a lot of people, the the thing is whenever you start a new role or whenever you, you, you know, you, you start a new sale or something like that, you, you never, feel quite comfortable and you're always delaying yourself and stopping yourself and trying to prepare, trying to prepare, you know, right. rather than actually just doing it. So similar to, I guess, that, uh, that, uh, viral video with, uh, Shia LaBeouf say, do it, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> basically like that. You, you just literally need to sometimes do it. You need to go half prepared and learn from your mistakes. Um, a lot of the time people will overprepare and they'll waste a lot of time or they'll miss an opportunity. A lot of the time you just need to be comfortable with being uncomfortable and don't be worried to, you know, about failing. Don't be worried about making a mistake. Th- that's how you're going to learn. If you look at a salesperson and like a normal person or like a marketing person, very different mentality. Sale people are always about, you know, trying to get the sale, pushing for it. So you'll never see them ever be uncomfortable with being an absolute you know, fool or making mistakes. They just go for it because that's their mentality. So if I can give any advice to anyone, it's, it's honestly start thinking like a salesperson because you'll become more of a go-getter. You will be much happier with yourself and you will go and try and achieve what you're trying to achieve.
0: Mm-hmm. Great advice. Love it. And is that something that you apply in your uh, business, in, uh, in your
1: marketing company? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we, we come from a uh, you know, semi-half-marketing, half-sales side of the business. So, we we have to on a daily basis just embarrass ourselves and <laughs> to go out there and and do whatever we can to do whether we we're trying to get new clients or whether we are you know trying to report to a client who who thinks we're wrong or you know whether we we're, we're not sure what actually happened you know it's it's you just have to be comfortable and just you know not be afraid to to look like a fool and to just uh, ask and uh, that's another sales thing I guess if you don't ask you'll never get. Yeah, same totally. thing. Yeah, you I know don't know which movie them, that's from. Yeah, <laughs> same, All the same, movies. same. Yeah, <laughs> it's
0: like uh, you, you don't ask. You have to ask for you know like discounts or whatever. You, you get them then.
1: Not, not just yeah, exactly discount and anything. You know what you know, whether it's a, you know, a networking event and you're shy to go to a CEO and introduce yourself or things like that. You got to get out of your comfort zone. You got to be, you know, own it, be uncomfortable, but own that feeling of, you know, I I can't do it, this and that. Own that feeling and just go and just try and look like a fool. But you know what, you achieved your goal, you look like a fool, but next time you look a little bit better. Yeah, gotcha.
0: Fantastic advice. I think. Especially for people in the space of data science, where um, you know not just the, the nature of the work and the education that goes into it, that you're a lot of the time you you're like kind of introverted, you're by yourself, and therefore you um, you develop these um, not complexes, but uh, shyness or kind of yeah. uh, in a like n- not uh, you don't go up to people confidently, don't take things on confidently, but also. Um, the fact that you know with data science you have to make sure everything is perfect, everything is like calculated, mm. you know, statistical significance is checked, the data is prepared well, and that uh, in itself, the nature of the work, um, may- forces people to think about life in that way as well. But in reality, I totally agree with you. Like, you know, like if you if you've never run a presentation or a data science presentation to two hundred people or twenty thousand people. Mm. Uh, Unless you try, you're never going to actually run one, right? So sometimes exactly. you have to get out of your comfort zone.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And you'll see a lot of the, the, the you know, if, if you've ever seen TED Talks, probably you, you know about it. It's very famous. It, essentially, same thing. A lot of those people, you know, they they may seem confident, but there's it's all about just getting out there and doing it Yeah, got a lot you, of the time. Got you. you know, you, you just have to go out there, speak your mind, be confident with who you are, and don't be worried about failing. It's uh, it's part of the process. Okay. Um I got another question
0: to kind of like ra- start writing wrapping this up. From your experience in marketing and from what you see uh based on like all the the work you've done and the clients you've worked with and where you see this industry going, where do you think the future of data in marketing lies in the next 3, 5 or 10 years down the track?
1: Yeah, good question. So Well, data is now really being used more and more and more in marketing. Now, actually, it's very rare to to find campaigns where they don't use some kind of data analysis instead of working out or case studies and how, you know, how the market actually reacted to from things as simple as, you know, ads on TV where it's very hard to sort of determine what the market thought to you know things which are more digital and you can definitely see what's happening. So what what I tend to see is that uh, we're going to see a lot more data science in all sorts of aspects of marketing and it's going to be a norm. And I think it's going to be a huge, I guess, uh, industry opener and eye opener in how campaigns are run. And we're going to see a lot more jobs in data marketing in marketing specifically. So, it's it's just uh, it's such a it's becoming such a huge industry, and um, I think that also another thing we're going to see, you know, very soon is uh, how big data is going to play a part in marketing in a lot of ways, especially with, you know, Google Analytics as well as uh, the Google al- algorithms and how they actually, you know, get con- consumer information, how they can use that to make things more personalized. I think the next step what we're gonna see in the you know next five to ten years is more and more personalization and advertising, that's you know becoming more and more specific to the case where it you know it might start even mentioning your name, things like that that might have seemed you know science fiction when we watched you know Minority Report, but it's gonna become the norm and it's, it's sort of where it's actually heading. And, uh, a lot of places like, especially Facebook, which has a lot of users data, will start using campaigns that are more and more personalized and specifically speak to the person back in my day. They would just, you, you know, do things like just mention your name. That would be enough. But now it's getting to the point where they know exactly what you're doing, what your hobbies are and what your information is and, uh, what products you like, what you know, music you listen to. And based on that, they're going to make an ad that's perfect for you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I feel like they know what I had for breakfast. <laughs> like that day Yeah. <laughs> Cuz uh,
1: sometimes you literally open the computer and you 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 before you even browse for something or maybe you might be watching let's say something on Netflix and then all of a sudden you open your Google and the first suggestion is exactly what you were watching on Netflix. Yeah. It's like they know. Yeah. You know, it's 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 very interesting how they're using data to to sort of uh, not just help you in terms of getting information, but they're going to start using it to to sell things to you gotcha. and hopefully and things that you actually want to buy. <laughs> yeah, and you
0: mentioned that there's going to be more and more jobs in this space. You you don't think that uh, with the advances of machine learning and artificial intelligence that uh, – because like a lot of people are afraid of jobs being cut because of machines, yes. because of robotization, automation, and so on. Do you don't think that marketing is one of those industries where machines will take over and start doing, you no, know, for instance, your work and start doing yeah. all of that instead of humans doing it? Uh,
1: to some point, yes, they will. Um, like you, you already have big tools like you know, Kissmetrics. You know, there's so many other tools that you have for analysis and data analysis that you don't really need a specialist to do it. But I, I still think a lot of uh, in terms of creative information and uh, emotional information emotional data that's that's sort of not very obvious Uh, you you will still have a lot of uh, a lot of jobs in that space gotcha all right cool well thanks a lot for coming on the show
0: and uh, sharing all these insights uh amazing and especially uh, both like marketing and productivity i think a lot of people take away from that Mm. how can uh our listeners contact you or follow you if they want to find out more about your career or even if there's people listening that uh, would like to engage you uh as a consultant or or kind of like understand how they can get in touch with your company about their marketing needs
1: yeah absolutely so uh basically i guess you can find me on linkedin linkedin will have all my information and details and you can contact me through there i'm more than happy to to grab any questions or things like that you can also of course take my course in udemy if you're on udemy and uh yeah shoot me any messages and i'm you know, always interested in, in meeting people, uh, talking to them, uh, giving them some ideas for their marketing strategies. And uh, a lot of the time, I'll, I'll give you a lot of information for free. So yeah, feel free to give me you know, a message or something like that if you need any help.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Thank you so much. And one final question for you, David, today, what is your one favorite book that uh, you would like to recommend to our listeners?
1: Yeah, so um this this is a this is a fantastic book and I I think I've recommended this before, but uh it's called the uh, the big data driven business. It's it's really talks a lot about uh especially data science, data analytics, and uses a lot of great you know, case studies, even even some including from Nate Silver, like he's pretty pretty famous for his political, I guess, data science. So It's really, it's a fantastic book about, you know, how to use data in your business, whether it's a small business or a big business, and how you can, you know, use it to beat competition, to evolve your market, et cetera. So if you can get it, The Big Data Driven Business, you can probably find it on Amazon very easily. A great read. Fantastic.
0: Thank you for that recommendation, The Big Data Driven Business. I think somebody else on the podcast already recommended that. And uh, yeah, once again, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, It was a great pleasure to catch up and uh, to have you on.
1: Awesome. Thanks very
0: much for having me. So there you have it. That was uh, David Tanaskovic. I hope you enjoyed uh, this podcast. And probably my favorite takeaway from today was when David mentioned that he, how he does A-B testing, not only on the actual advertising or uh, on the uh, artwork or on the ad itself or on the buttons or on the website or on or all these creative aspects, but he actually does A-B testing on the audience, on the uh, customer base to understand who to serve the ad to and who that uh, product or campaign will serve the best. So is that something that kind of like uh, probably people don't think about as much or it's not the first thing that pops to mind when you think of A-B testing, you're, you think you're, uh, of testing uh, the ad itself or uh, if it is in pharmaceuticals, uh, the drug itself that you're running or, or you're, um, you're, you want to find the results of and so on. But this approach is a bit different. You're actually testing the audience to uh, segment it better and serve the ad only to those people that will benefit from it the most. And, therefore your company will benefit from from it the most as well. And of course, also, I really enjoyed the tips uh, David shared about uh, productivity, like watching a 10 minute, just limiting yourself, uh, but also motivating yourself to watch 10 minutes of education in the morning. So I'll uh, ch- test that out. I'll watch a TED talk tomorrow morning. They're usually around eight minute, eight minute mark. So that'll fit in nicely. And uh, every day watch something educational in the morning. I think that's a pretty cool idea. So if you enjoy this podcast, you can find the show notes at www.superdatascience.com slash 31. There you'll see the transcript for this episode. Also, you will uh, be able to get all the links to the materials mentioned inside uh, this podcast, as well as a uh, link to David's LinkedIn, where you can connect with him, chat with him and ask him lots of questions about marketing. And on that note, thank you very much for listening to the podcast, for being part of this movement of super data science. Uh, if you'd like to connect and get in touch with uh, fellow super data scientists, then jump onto our Facebook group. You can just search for super data science. You'll find it there. It's an open group and we welcome everybody there and uh, can't wait to see you inside and connect with you uh, about and talk about data science there. And I look forward to seeing you next time. Until then. Happy analyzing.